0: Welcome to Baseball's Inside Journey, the podcast that helps players and parents grow their baseball knowledge. This is the show that specializes in youth baseball. And now, here's Coach Drew and Eric Powers. Hi, welcome back to Baseball's Inside
1: Journey podcast. What's up, I'm Eric Powers, along with Coach Drew. What's up, brother?
0: Good to be here, man.
1: Man, ready to do this? And we've got a special guest on the line, really excited about this to not only help us with in season, but off season. And uh, we've got the official title, too. He's the VP Player Performance for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Been doing it for 12 years. Brandon McDaniel, welcome to the show, brother.
2: <laughs> Thanks for having me. I appreciate the
1: enthusiasm as well. We're excited. <laughs> Man, we were <laughs> we are off-, off the mic. We were excited. Yeah. We, like we, Every time we said something about you, we kept kind of getting more and more excited off the yeah. mic. So. Well, this has
0: been a long time coming. We, I know, Brandon, you and I have kind of made contact a while ago. We're trying to line this up, but I... Uh very interested in having you on because I think this uh, information that you can kind of give to our listeners will be very compelling for them because just again to make sure that you know and some of the new listeners know that the whole purpose of this podcast is to give information and resources to amateur baseball players and their families through their journey from like Little League all the way on into college. And obviously these days strength and conditioning is such an important part of it more so than ever before. And, uh, and so I think this is going to be really helpful and we have some good questions for you too.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. And I, and guys, I look forward to it. Um, Obviously this is my passion. I've been in professional baseball since 2007. I was a college baseball player before that Um, high school baseball player, obviously to get to that level, Started coaching high school baseball and youth baseball when I was 18 years old. Um, So, I've had like a deep rooted passion with this. And, and again, like my trade is strength and conditioning. That's what I went to school for. That's what I did for a long, long time at pro ball before I am where I'm at now, which is like to kind of cross these, these two worlds over. Like how do you feel the ground ball? How do you hit a baseball? How do you throw a baseball better through the lens of movement? Um, And so it's a very, very touchy subject Mm -hmm. in the world of athletics, especially in the world of baseball like, do you lift weights do you not lift weights what is the right time to start doing that when you're a young boy or a girl um what are you know what are the effects what is too much what is too little and so like very interested in this conversation um obviously we don't have as many hours as i'd love to uh have to share <laughs> what what my experience and, and ultimately what my failures have been in the space uh, to help a young family a young kid uh you know hopefully be closer to reaching their dreams of playing baseball
0: that's awesome because what i was going to say eric is that you know as as we're kind of winding down our travel ball season uh we are already starting to look into strength and conditioning programs in and around we're in the seattle area and so we're kind of looking into some of those options for our sons and daughters uh depending on you know what what they're playing but um and that part of what i'm already finding is that that some guys or some some places do this type of of work but i don't really know if they have a baseball background in particular and i think that's a pretty important piece to it the fact that you've you've played you've played at a really high level beyond high school um you've been in the professional ranks for 12 years now that that shows that you know not only can you speak to the the strength and conditioning but as well as being a player and how those two collide collide, right i mean i think that's a really important piece because i i I know there's a lot of a lot of them out there that that know in theory of what a baseball player should do but uh if they haven't played it it can be a little different
2: yeah i think two things and and hopefully this comes off the right way number one like i was always passionate about the weight i was overweight as a kid and so when i learned how to lift and when i learned how to condition and eat right like it changed my life along my baseball career um so, I love doing what I'm doing. But two things. Number one, every night at seven o'clock, I got to do the one thing that I love uh, more than anything outside of my wife and my kids. And that is watch a baseball game from the front row mm-hmm. uh, of the dugout, the top step of the dugout. Wow. And number two, I always um, have felt, and this isn't a knock on the strength and conditioning community at all. I was a baseball guy who wanted to be in baseball and found an avenue through strength and conditioning. Hmm. So I just felt kind of like an undercover baseball guy in the yeah. strength and conditioning world. Trying to, like, figure out how to feel the ball better, figure out how to throw a ball better. Obviously, like, as a coach, you always have this sense of, like, if I can get my hands on somebody, I can help them in some way. Mm-hmm. You're always looking you're always looking like at the player through that lens, right? Like if I can get him to stride better. If I can get him to load his hands better, him or her, if I can get them to rotate their hips more, um, you know, whatever that might be from the movement standpoint, the coordination standpoint, then there's the engine standpoint. Boy, if that kid was just bigger, they were just stronger. Yeah. If they were just faster, um, they'd be a really good player. And, and then there's some kids that are like, man, Johnny hits the ball really far. He does not have any mobility, in his game he can't move to the right or the left can't bend over throw the ground ball all those different things right and i've always looked at it through that lens not how can man we can make this player better if we get their max back squat that's not <laughs> that's that's being really good at squatting that's not being really good at playing baseball
0: right right well what i mean let, let me ask you so when when do you typically recommend that a uh, uh, an athlete or specifically a baseball player start strength and conditioning and what types of exercises would you recommend they start with?
2: Well, I think we always start with the, uh, the body weight, right? Like, can you control what you do, um, without external weight? Hmm. And so can you squat? Can you lunge? Can you do a pull up? Can you do a push-up? going to start there. I'm going to have you lie down on your back. Can you raise your leg up? So it is, uh, perpendicular with the rest of your body
0: Hmm.
2: without bending knee, because now I know when I tell you to do high knees or I tell you to jump off of one leg as high as you can, I tell you to get in a balanced position on the mound. I tell you to scissor when we're hitting, Oh yeah, he has this space or she has the space, uh, in the hips to be able to do that. Um, and so that's kind of where I, where I start. And then from there we take it further. If you can do those things well, can you, can you do that movement fast? Can you leave the ground? Um, and and ultimately land in a balanced position similar to throwing and how you might be able to, you you know, you might leave your backside and have to uh, land on your front side, decelerate, slow down, make sure that the kinetic chain does what it's supposed to do to be able to throw the ball, not only safely, uh, but, you know, with some velocity and then ultimately in a repeatable way that you can throw consistently. Mm. And so everything's based off of those five movement patterns for me to start with. Um, And then from there, we can have infinite amount of things that we can do uh, when we work with somebody. And I think a lot of times that we look at the methods, we go, Oh, this person's doing agility. They're using their cones. They're using their ladders. They're using their hurdles. Well, that's not really agility. That's just a method in in the mean, in a way to express maybe someone's um, agile components or characteristics. Or we look at, Power cleans, or kettlebell swings, or vertical jumps. to go, okay, they're trying to express power. Well, I've I've also seen the CrossFit community, which is a great community, turn powerlifting into an endurance sport, or mm-hmm. turning Olympic lifting into an endurance sport, and do, you know, 21, 15, 9 hang cleans, which is great. It's a great workout. But it's not really expressing power, um, you know. And so, so ultimately, like the way that I that I work is to then understand the demographic that we're working with. Am I working with a team? Am I working with kids that are in similar um, phases of life, have similar similar athletic ability? Now, in a group setting, we can have a lot of fun. Um, we can do some things that are maybe a little bit outside the box because I know that we have the athletic, you know, capabilities of doing it within, within you know, range. But there's sometimes that, that that's not the case. There's, there's sometimes and most of the time we get teams with a wide array of athletic capabilities and my my nine-year-old son who i train his team in the off season at the field with cones and trx's and agility ladders and, and all those different things like we have progressions and regressions for every move so if you can squat well let's do squat jumps if you don't squat well at all let's start on our hands and knees and learn how to rock back and forth without arching or rounding our lower back then those things translate to when we stand up on our feet. Can we do those things correctly? Now, even more importantly, take that. We go right to shortstop and you feel the ground ball and you're able to hinge your hips, bend your knees, get a good forward lean, get a good glove angle. You're out on the front of you know, the balls of your feet. you right, left field, right, left throw, and everything moves really well. And now we start to see, like, wow, the things that we just did before, this kind of carried over in a continuum all the way to the field.
0: Wow. Wow. That's so amazing that wow. you just – I, Eric, I, yeah, I was yeah. Just I you, you just listening to him made me think about – So I'm coaching Eric's son and, of course, my son, and I'm coaching a 13U team right now, travel ball. And I'm trying to teach them all the time the proper mechanics on how to field a ground ball. And I'm actually somewhat frustrated with my own son because he's playing shortstop and and does a very good job of it. But I'm like, why aren't you getting down? Why aren't you getting down on the ball? You need to get lower. You need to flatten your back and all this type of stuff. And it just dawned on me listening to you that maybe he can't. <laughs> you know, we right. some and of that, the things he the might not be able to. <laughs> right.
2: That, that's the number one question we ask every time. We do that in the cage with big leaders. You want him to do what? Can he do it without a bat and a 100-mile-an-hour fastball coming into his face?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: No. Maybe that's not the place to start. Hmm. Right. makes And believe it or not, like, think of all – okay, so – You've worked you 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 have all worked with like exceptional athletes at, at your level that have moved up to the next age group to ultimately high school to college. And maybe you've been fortunate enough to be around someone who's played professional baseball at, at some level. And they are the best compensators in the world. The major league baseball players, the minor league baseball players, the college baseball players, they're still the best compensators in the world. They don't do all the things that I would deem like important perfectly or well. Like some of them do them really, really poorly, but they found a way to navigate around it. And and so now, my goal, my mission, my thesis in life now is: Can you ask that first question that you just you just ask? Can they do it? Because if they can't, let's teach them how to do it first. And then I, I truly believe, and I've witnessed this even with my own kids and the kids that I've worked with through them, that once we teach them how to do that, as a coach, I've freed up so much runway for you to be able to add so many different movement patterns to the swing, to the throw, to fielding, that you never even dreamt of because you didn't know that this kid had the capability of, mm-hmm. but you were trying to fix, let's just say, a problem that called for a screwdriver and all you had was a hammer.
1: <laughs> Good analogy. <laughs> Thank you. I've been working on that one for uh, a because oh, I hijacked
2: that from probably 20 other of my mentors. Oh,
1: that was worth it, man. Um, so we're talking to Vice President Player Performance for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Just as a reminder, uh, Brandon McDaniel, thank you so much for doing this. Um, uh, You reminded me when you're talking about your nine-year-old son. As our kids are progressing to 13U and 14U, uh, pitching mounds further away, more important, the, the base path is much further away. You kind of, I guess, specifically because I I always talk to my wife about this, and we're talking to parents all the time. uh, And she's like, "Gosh, we need Titan to run faster." You know, let's get him into you know practice running and you know all kinds of different sports. What do you recommend as these kids transition? You were talking about your nine year old. You coach as they transition out of little league, going into thirteen and fourteen. You. What do you recommend for just speed? Because I feel like that's something, you know, look, you got to hit the ball further, you got to run faster. What do you recommend they work on specifically from a granular level?
2: Uh, So, the number one preventer of hamstring injuries for me is sprinting. The number one, you know, preventer of swinging injuries is swinging. The number one, you know, preventer of throwing injuries is throwing, right? Mm-hmm. So, we're, And I know we're not talking about injuries here, but I always laugh when, like, we go out on the limb and we're like, I have this new program that's going to help you do X, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of supporting actors involved in how we perform on the field. I think the weight room is one of those. I think nutrition is one of those. I think the psychology part of this is m- more important than ever, um, let alone, like, the the iq of the game um but i think when it really comes down to running you have to be number one stable like can you like a lot of kids i see that maybe have the ability to run fast their legs and their hips and their trunk are not stable enough so when they hit the ground they look like an accordion Mm
1: -hmm. and when
2: somebody hits the ground they look like a pogo stick (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so, like, and again, we go, we got to run, we got to run, we got to condition you. We're not conditioning, We're sprinting. And so, again, like being able to identify what the issue is. And for young kids going through puberty, again, they, they run around, they look like accordions. When they hit the ground, they shrink. I want to see stiffness. I want I, I want kids to understand that when they impact the ground, they win and they push back off the ground. It's not the ground that wins and mm. you just kind of shrink into it. And the same thing when you hit, right? Like you see a weak front side, the kid doesn't lock out his front leg or get somewhat of like a firm front side and they just collapse off the mound. Yeah. What do we, Johnny, come on, keep your balance. You got to keep your balance. You can't do that. Okay. You can't fall over. Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't trying to fall over. Yeah. His body didn't know how to create stiffness. And the same thing when they run, we go, no, you got to run faster. Like they're trying. I, I promise you that they're trying as hard as they can. They maybe don't understand to do that so learning how to march uh, we use wall drills for that um you know learning how to how to just balance on one leg in a wall drill we call them acceleration poses bring that knee up to about 90 degrees make sure you're not rounding your low back you draw that that foot or that toe in dorsiflex that ankle uh and then you push through the ground with that straight leg lock out the knee lock out the hip and then you know obviously get plantar flexion in the backside. and if i got rid of the wall and you looked up it would look like ricky henderson stealing a base Mm -hmm. and we want to get comfortable with that position and and ultimately like the more and more comfortable that we get with those positions, the better opportunity that we have to repeat them when we're fighting against gravity without a wall, when we have to hit the ball and run, when ultimately like we're not in a practice setting.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I, it would strike me as obvious that working with major league athletes that, you know, every every player is obviously a very... Uh, polished athlete, but they have different needs for their strength and conditioning. Obviously pitchers have, need some, well, they, I guess these days they don't need as much endurance to go deeper in the games as they once did. But, um, specifically to each types of, uh, positional players or pitchers or what have you in season and off season training, I guess is, is really where I'm going with this. What, what are the differences between the two types of training for, you know, for these position players and pitchers, uh, do they is does it differ much in, uh in season and off season and and how do you kind of set that up for them or do you <laughs> our
2: in, yeah no it, it definitely would do our in, our in season is only good as our off season so if our off season program is lacking then your in season program is only going to be a fraction of that hmm. and so we can only train what we prepare for. And, and so if guys get after it in the off season and they, they squat and they lunge and and just like the simpler way of saying this is like, we are meant to play baseball. We're not meant to train. And I'm not going to introduce a stimulus to you in season that will a deplete your performance or be put you at risk for injury. Yeah. So a lot of that is like, and sorry to be vague, but like, what are the surrounding factors yeah, The goal is to train every day in season with a with a lower dose of what we do in the off-season. Mm-hmm. And I hate the word maintenance, but to be able to kind of keep up with what we've had in the past. But if you have a poor off-season and you try to introduce stuff at the beginning of spring training, the beginning of the season, or even worse when you get in a slump, and now we go – I got to go hit more because I can't hit. I got to go lift more because the coach says I'm not strong and I got to go run more because I'm not fast enough. And you do all those things at once. That's a, you know, you're, you're putting yourself at risk.
1: Mm. That makes sense. Big time. Hey, so question for you: you you touched on it, and Coach Drew has done this with well, even twelve u and thirteen u, and it's all about baseball IQ and introducing that to to youth players and the twelve u and thirteen u. Where would you recommend youth going to? I mean, you uh had the book, uh, Coach Drew, for baseballs IQ, and really it helped my son a lot. Just really, you know, having the wherewithal of what's going on in the game, when it's going on, but do you have resources or would you recommend where where youth goes to learn more so they can get more intelligent on the field?
2: Oh man. I mean, I've been, I've been very lucky, I guess, to like be around these groups of people, uh, all my life, whether it's pro ball or college baseball or a really good high school program. Like I think that there are great websites out there. Um, you know, from a training standpoint, I spend a lot of time on Eric Cresty's website when it comes to, you know, the baseball standpoint. I spend a lot of time on Instagram <laughs> just, just watching and listening because a lot of times players have really good insight there, mm-hmm. but I'll be honest, the best, the best way to learn, the best way to teach is these coaches like, like you guys coaching your team. I know that you're, you're doing podcasts right now, but there's other there's other coaches out there learning and trying to get better and have the opportunity to give context to kids every single day and so it's like I think it's hooking yourself on to a really good program a really good dad you know a really good club like E L one in Seattle something like that
0: mm-hmm.
2: where um, the, the the information not only comes uh, readily and and in a you know as much you know, i guess it comes out of the faucet as fast as you want it to or as slow as you want it to mm-hmm. but more importantly for kids in the world that we live in with quick information it comes with context so you see the launch angle you see the exit velocity, you see the cutter you see the sweeper having a coach there to decode that and translate that to me is the most important thing yeah um so that's that's the way i kind of view this it. like I just expose my kids to as much information as they can. I let them ask their coaches what they think about it.
0: You know, I think that's, that, that's great advice. And you just made me think of something too, that I uh, would love to ask you, which is there's a lot of, I'm, I'm the same way, or I'm all over Instagram and Facebook, those two in particular, but I'm looking at different programs for strength and conditioning. And there's, there's a lot of different ones out there, you know, and they, they talk about doing, you know, the heavy balls or, um, these pull downs and all sorts of different uh, ways to increase your throwing arm and, uh, and and things like that. And then I even see comments about how long toss is overrated, and then and then people comment and say, hey, "What are you talking about? It's totally underrated." And and you know, I, I think there's a lot of just different information out there that can be confusing. I mean, fortunately, I played just a little bit after high school, played junior college. But I've played my whole life. I still play in a men's league, and fortunately, I can speak from experience. But um, I think there's probably still a lot of, uh, even some coaches out there, and 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 parents, and obviously kids that don't know. They're going to be looking at this person's comment saying long toss is overrated. You should be in the weight room, or or this one saying the the opposite. And how how would you kind of try to help them filter through that stuff? Uh-huh.
2: The world's funny, right? Like, you never have it. You never have all the answers because someone will always point out what you don't have um, or what you don't know. And kids have different sparks everywhere. I'm a big fan of the talent code, Daniel Coyle, book I read back in 2012, which is a little bit older than that. Daniel Coyle goes into all these hotbeds. Curacao is the one who goes into baseball. Curacao has the most professional or, or major league baseball players per capita in the world. And he just kind of talks about the main things that they learned as kids when they played, you know, when they played on, uh, in the little leagues down there. So they learned like three things every single year. And when you look up after, after eight years, um, they had like 24 of these skills mastered. Hmm. And I try to look at things a little bit more holistically than that. Parents only have so much time. They only have so much money, too. Yep. Kids only have so much bandwidth because they got to go to school, and they've they got to be kids. And so chipping away at a lot of main things for me early on is the most important thing. Can you catch a ball? Can you throw a ball? Can you field a ball? Can you run Um, and then ultimately, like, do you have, you have some positions that you're working on? Mm -hmm. If you love the game, and this is what I tell my kids every day, if you love the game tomorrow more than you did yesterday, we always have a chance. You always have a chance to get better if you love it. And if you hate it tomorrow or you like it less tomorrow, we're starting to move in the wrong direction. And so trying to drive those things early on, I want my kids to be, um, healthy, do they need to be the leanest? No. Do they need to be the strongest? No. Do they need to have six pack abs? No. I need them to be the healthiest because when they do get to that spot where, yes, there's a certain point in time where I believe between 16 and 18, we have to develop an engine. Kids are going to need to spend some time in the weight room, but they don't have that like athletic foundation or that health, the underlying health on their side at 16. We got to do that first before we can put them under a barbell.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Good. Point. I don't, I teach my kids how to throw. I send them to a guy that teaches them how to throw. He's not a pitching coach per se, but he does a lot of throwing drills with them, like kind of Texas baseball ranch style. His name's, um, his name's Jim Wagner. And he has a place up in Santa Clarita called throw zone. And so I, I send my kids up there just to learn how to throw baseball and help them immensely because when they can throw the ball across the diamond, their exposure to positions goes through the roof. They can pitch, they can play third, they can play short, they can catch. Um, they can play the outfield, and like we know that they're gonna throw a ball all the way home. and like so that has helped them more athletically than, you know, and again, I'm a strength coach by trade. Like I don't have them waking up every morning cracking eggs, making <laughs> making shakes and and doing doing pushups and sit-ups. Like I actually look at that as a means to arthritis yeah. in a pretty <laughs> in a pretty pretty quick manner. Like how about like let's get up and talk about the box scores and what happened in the game last night. You yeah. go in the backyard and chuck the ball against the wall.
1: <laughs> that makes sense. C- a question. So, uh, when you're driving home with your son after you've coached him or he's played a game more importantly, what is your conversation like, whether it's a win or a loss, or he had a tough game or he had a great game, uh, as a dad, not as a coach and not, you know, not, not as somebody who's intimate with the game. What are your conversations uh, like?
2: My interactions are interesting cause I'm on the road a lot. Um, so, I, there's a lot of phone calls on the way home because, like, the other day I was in Philly and he had a he had a rough game, mm-hmm. um, in a rough game by like a nine-year-old standard where he booted a ball, it cost a couple runs, and he got doubled off on a line drive. So, like, we're at a place now that, like, a 9 year we're having that conversation. Meanwhile, he pitched the first game of the tournament. He threw three innings of shutout, two-hit baseball against a really good team, and he had the, the time of his life. Right. Mm-hmm. So, as a dad, I'm like balancing act here okay you're frustrated with your kids awareness to the situation and something you've talked to him about a lot but he's nine so it's not worth like again making sure he loves the game tomorrow is more important it's not like worth blowing him up but there are things that we believe in values and morals and ethics that we're trying to raise young men like, I see a lack of hustle every once in a while. If I see a lack of concentration, if I see some entitlement, like, yeah, we're going to have a tough conversation about that. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I'm encouraging him to take risks. I'm encouraging him to be aggressive. I'm encouraging him to make errors, try to make the throw, try to field the ball, try, you know, try to dive. try to stick your bat out there on an O2 pitch and like foul the ball off. And if you strike out, go down that way. Don't go down looking. Um, and so though, like that, I think is maybe the most negative that we get with our kids is really around the, the aspect of like being a good person, being a good teammate
1: Hmm.
2: on the other side, like I never let the highs get too high. Not that I, you know, he makes a good play. I let him know that I'm proud of him for the work that he has put in to get to the point, not proud of him for that play. Because I think if I reward to practice, that's gonna be the most important part versus rewarding the good play, then they're only going to be looking for the highlight,
1: yep yeah we were I'm always curious to see how a parent because we're talking to parents on this podcast, and it's it's really they're not coaches, they don't know the game very well, and I think it's important on you know helping their child understand, you know, are you having fun? Are you playing your hardest and are you being a good teammate? And it's like, what, what is that message to the kids on the ride home? That can be tough. It can be really tough? Very tough.
2: Yeah, very tough. And, and listen, like, I'm <laughs> as guilty as any parent. And I do this for a living. Of letting it get the best of you. Because yeah. um, you want what's best for your kids.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's almost better I'm on the road. and so i you know i and i and i don't mean like i obviously um in the ear to bend for a lot of other parents so there's a lot of times in my batting cage in the backyard i got nine kids in my house hitting that are trying to trying to work on something Mm -hmm. so i'm almost wearing the whole team it feels like at times it's like oh god he's uh, donnie didn't get another hit dang it (laughs) oh that's my johnny now and he didn't get it dang and i'm not very good at this and so you 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 know you start wearing a little bit of of that but um what are we trying to do like i i have aspirations for my children of course i do but they're not their aspirations
0: Mm
2: -hmm. so i have to keep those to myself and when they express my seven-year-old doesn't He's not there. He's not crazy about baseball He's in the same way my nine year old is, partly because my nine year old is. And when he tells me it's time, it will be time to let like go to the next step. But until then, dude, just go have fun, and I'm going to praise you for that. Again, be a good human, be a good teammate, um, live up to the standard of our last name. But mm-hmm. your your performance on the field means nothing to me as long as you're having fun.
0: That's awesome, and. Yeah.
2: Same same way for my nine-year-old, who is crazy, who practices every single day in the backyard if he's not at a game, if he's not in a practice and whatever. It's like my expectations for him are higher. Mm-hmm. But, again, I praise the, the long-term that if he really wants to do this, we have to instill this work ethic in him now. Not a great swing right now. Well,
0: it yeah. must be such a – obviously, your kids are very – blessed to have you as their father and especially the the career path that you've chosen has put them you know around major league baseball players that uh they can actually watch their work ethic and 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 see what it takes to get to that level to some degree i'm sure that is just amazing i think it's a very very cool opportunity and one thing i would ask you is uh as we kind of wind this down is what would be the number one of advice that you would give to a youth baseball player um, and or his or her family um, that's, you know, starting out on their journey in, in baseball and kind of as, and sp- more specific after the, they've established maybe their love for the game and maybe they've got some of the, some of the skills, but on the strength and conditioning piece of it in particular, what would be the number one piece of advice that you would give somebody that's kind of starting out to start focusing on that strength and conditioning?
2: Number one is make sure you're at a healthy weight, and and because I think if you're at a healthy weight, you can overcome the force of the ground really well. Mm-hmm. And so diet, diet became like that's the first, it's the most important thing for our kids. But number two is move fast. Don't don't go through the motions. Move fast because if you move fast, we we get to a certain point where we can't train that anymore. Yeah. And it, the faster you move now, the faster your ceiling for so that's going to be later. And if you move slow. Um, it's just going to be tough to make up for that. I can again, I can work on your swing when you're 13. I can work on your throw when you're 13. I can't really change the muscle fiber mm-hmm. type. And the older you get,
0: interesting. Mm-hmm. So, are you saying that you can develop some of that maybe fast twitch type muscle fiber at an early age? Is that kind of what you're saying?
2: Yeah, you're definitely like still molding a lot of that right now. And again, we all have a genetic ceiling, but I don't become yeah. anywhere close to that. But Hmm. young kids that do gymnastics, it was, they self-selected that. Yeah. Um, nobody, nobody like funneled them into that system when they were babies. And, and so I think that the, the jumping and the, and the, and the tumbling and all that, all those things that created a certain type of body for them. And that's the twitchier, like, you know, type, uh, Know, type two muscle fibers mm-hmm. that that we like to see in athletes and you know at the end of the day like they created a lot of that when they were going through their growing their growing stages and i think that if you the faster you move as a kid the more likelihood that that's just you have a better starting place than most kids
1: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Very interesting, man. We we could spend on any one of these subjects hours. So yeah. we, we if if you have time down the road, we'd love to get you back.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Let's do installment number two someday.
0: That would be really cool. I know awesome. you've got a very busy schedule traveling with the Dodgers and just you know in what you're doing. But can I? Can you just speak for a second about how how much fun that must be? I, I would just. I mean, I'm kind of in some ways living vicariously, just imagining doing your. Your job or or even just being around it. I mean, some of the like Mookie Betts and Clayton Kershaw and some of these amazing players and we had Chris Taylor, you know, came came from the Mariners farm system and was up here a little bit, but I just there's you have so many players that you're around that have such great and unique stories. That must just be so so much fun and so rewarding to work with those guys and, and learn from.
2: Yeah, no, I mean I'm again I said it, I'm very fortunate to do, what I do and Worked extremely hard, um, for very little compensation early in my <laughs> career to, to get to this point. Yeah, um, but I, you know, I don't take it for granted every day that like when we get off the phone, I'm going to the field to watch Clayton Kershaw pitch tonight.
1: Ah, wow, um, that's amazing. And, oh.
2: and so, but it, and, and and I think it's the one thing, and this is my party shot, and I do I do have to go. But um, there are a lot of careers in baseball. There are a lot of careers in athletics, not just playing. And I was very fortunate to have that mindset when I was 19 to say, Hey, this isn't going to happen, but what can I do to get myself involved in the game? And I recommend that every kid that is good at math and loves baseball, like takes a look at the analytical route or loves computers, like how much stuff we do with, um, you know, kind of our development group and, and understanding like how we have to create visuals for our players to make them understand information or someone who you know loves psychology or medicine or whatever. Like there are careers in this game that aren't about playing, mm-hmm. and that that there's a way to go about that right now to set you set yourself up for the future.
1: Awesome, man! Thank you very much, Brandon. We really appreciate your time. Of course, thank
2: you. I look forward to doing it again. Take
1: Thanks, care, Brandon. This has been a production of Baseball's Inside Journey, LLC. This podcast does not constitute advice or services and is designed primarily for educational purposes only. We encourage your feedback and topic ideas at Facebook forward slash Baseball's Inside Journey.